Shall we just look to God's word? Uh, the, the passage that we are going to be looking at today is uh, Revelation as a church that we've been reading uh, through the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Uh, and we'll be looking at one passage, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. I've requested Joshua to read this passage for us. Revelation three fourteen to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and shame your na- clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and to salve to and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Um, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and. E- I'll come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on the throne as I, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is Amen. God's word. Thanks, Josh. Shall we just pray before we look into uh, what he has to speak to us? Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you because... Uh, You are the God of eternity, you are the God of the past, the present, and the future, and you are beyond time and space. And yet in your love, you created us, and you choose to commune with us in this time and space, and you choose to speak to us and have our hearts. Lord, we don't deserve this, but we get it because of your grace, so we worship you. You speak to our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, shall we look at three things this morning? The first thing is measuring our spiritual temperature. The second thing is the cause of lukewarmness. The third thing, the remedy for lukewarmness. Yeah? Measuring our spiritual temperature, the cause of lukewarmness, the remedy for lukewarmness. Let's look at the first thing. We live in a culture that is so uncomfortable talking about spiritual things. We live as if our faith is a deeply personal thing, which it is, but it's also not just personal. It has a relational element to it. And we we, we act as if no one can judge or measure our faith. It's, It's a deeply personal thing. I don't want to talk about it. Don't ask me about it. I'm not just talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church as well. I'm not talking about just inside other churches. I'm talking about inside New City as well. When was the last time we asked someone the question, how are you doing spiritually? Or when was the last time you willingly shared, hey, this is how I'm doing spiritually? It's so uncomfortable asking this, right? We ourselves don't like to be asked this question. And, and 
this is why we think twice and are so uncomfortable to ask someone else usually we associate this question with one person in the church and that is the pastor or the leader my prayer is that this morning this question will be a common topic of discussion amongst each of us non leaders regular us people sharing our hearts bearing our hearts and sharing each other sharing each other's spiritual journeys well that being said in our passage today jesus is doing something that is uncomfortable to our hearts he's actually doing an assessment of the church in a place called laodicea um and and this is in the book of revelation in the bible if this is your first time in a church kind of setting allow me to set some context into what's happening revelation is a book written by john he has a vision of the risen and glorified jesus in heaven and who's telling him things about uh, what's going to happen at the end of the world and and the consummation of the new heavens and the new earth this amazing place where it's going to be perfect harmony absolute sinlessness and we're all going to be living in everlasting peace everlasting joy in the light of this he sends seven personalized messages to seven churches and laodicea is one of the church yeah and and jesus is reading their spiritual temperature on a three measure scale which is cold hot and lukewarm and he declares the result to be lukewarm he says in verse 15 i know your works you are neither cold nor hot would that you were either cold or hot now i spent some fair amount of time trying to understand the scale right what does jesus mean by cold or hot um and and there's uh, there's no absolute consensus between theologians and bible scholars because jesus himself doesn't tell us what it means uh the first understanding is when jesus says cold uh you, you at least be in the place of i don't need jesus like completely reject him or hot which is i cannot live without jesus i need more and more and here lukewarm is i think i have enough of jesus you know i don't need more i mean i've got my jesus piece of the puzzle kind of sorted i belong in a church with good theology the music is great and people are good kind of my kind of people i think that that's sort of good enough the second interpretation of theologians say is it can't be that jesus would prefer someone to actually be cold and reject him in this case cold and hot are both useful effective and refreshing cold water is refreshing on a hot day and vice versa and and jesus is saying don't be lukewarm so ineffective i mean have you heard have you had lukewarm coke the moment you put it in your mouth you're like you want to spit it out have you heard have you had lukewarm coffee or tea you want to spit it out immediately it's 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 
ineffective it has it is uh, distasteful it's tepid i mean it's it's and that's why jesus is saying because you are lukewarm neither cold nor hot i will spit you out of my mouth i mean that's those are harsh words friends if you are followers of jesus and have been coming to new city for any length of time i know that we would never actually come to a place of saying in words i think this must this much jesus is enough for me i don't need more you won't say it right would you would you tell that to someone but the key lies in seeing how jesus is measuring the temperature look at what he is doing what's the thermometer he is using look at verse 15 i know your works christ uses the thermometer of our works to measure our spiritual temperature our works are a good indicator of our spiritual temperature going back to the question that i began with why is it that we we were not comfortable or these conversations of how we're doing spiritually uh, why don't they happen in natural organic conversations friends allow me to probably submit that it's probably because our spiritual lives are lukewarm i mean there's nothing happening i mean apart from what we do here together when we gather or in our small groups there's nothing much happening i mean it's not affecting our work life it is not the rest of our lives are are probably built to function as if we don't really need christ to live it out and that is why i mean even if you want to ask what will you ask even if you want to share what will you share this apart from what we are enjoying already together personally i'm not able to see it affect and transform the rest of my life what are our works telling about how we are doing spiritually are they are they showing a growing longing for christ i need him more and more or are our works telling actually i think this is enough i need nothing more and that is what the church in laodicea was saying i need nothing more what causes our lukewarmness what is happening let's look at what jesus is telling this church he says in verse 17 for you say i am rich i have prospered and i need nothing not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked what is happening here allow me to give some context into laodicea now this is a very important wealthy city a noted commercial center and and some of its goods were exported all over the world and laodicea prided itself on three things first thing it's financial wealth second thing it's extensive textile industry and the third thing a popular eye salve which was exported around the world for healing now in in 60 ad laodicea went through an earthquake and it refused any help from outside to rebuild the city a uh, 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 roman historian tacitus says laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources with no help from us its affluence 
made them very self-sufficient. And this is where the church was. And this culture shaped the church as well. Now, in a lot of ways, this is indicative of our culture as well. We celebrate being self-sufficient, right? For most of us, we have probably moved to the city for work. And, and we're living away from our families probably for the first time. And then slowly we have built our own self-sufficient lives. We are not depending on our families anymore. And in some cases, we are probably supporting our families back home. If you moved in here for college, you're probably journeying the route towards self-sufficiency in every way. And, and if any city can teach you that, it's Bombay. I mean, even our, our college and university system is built in such a way it allows for its students to have a decent, good part-time hustle and actually support themselves. And, and friends, I'm not just talking about financially, right? When you come to Bombay, away from your families, you figure out doing life all on your own. You figure out how to have three meals in a day on your own without being dependent on anyone or your families. You, you figure out traveling on your own. The first local train ride you take, you get off and you feel like you made it. I mean, this is, this is crazy and I've done it. You figure out how to make your own home as you, as you build your life, as you build your career, you move into probably from a sharing kind of situation to a home where you build and make by yourself. And you figure out how to handle sickness on your own. The first time we fell sick, away from home, away from family, how we feel, felt so terrible, but you come out of it and you know that you adulted and you matured enough and, and, and you are now self-sufficient in every way. Friends, let's be honest. Aren't we all working to get to a place where we indeed say what the church in Laodicea is saying? I have prospered, I am rich, and I need nothing more. Isn't that the, our heart's desire? Isn't that what we are aiming for? You know, our generation wants to make enough and retire early by 40 and then Gen Z is even pushing it even lower. You know, my Instagram feed is, is sort of filled with financial influencers or finfluencers, as you would call them today, on master classes on retiring early. Have you seen them? Single people are afraid to commit to marriage because they feel self-sufficient. I mean, this I need nothing more. Right now, my life is sort of good. It's, it's, I enjoy this. If you, if, if you heard a recent chart top of Miley Cyrus's flowers, this is what she says, I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing. I can hold my own hand. Yeah, I can love me better than you can. There's, there's this self-sufficiency which the culture is constantly preaching. You don't need anything more. You are enough by yourself. 
married couples are scared to have kids because it is going to turn their self sufficient lives around and from personal experience i can tell you being self sufficient to the point of feeling a need for nothing else is our ultimate goal and here's the thing once we grow self sufficient we enjoy it way too much and we idolize it and it impacts everything it impacts our spiritual lives as well these laudations came to church with the heart posture of i have enough i need nothing more and this has caused them to be lukewarm in their faith as they became more and more self sufficient they felt lesser and lesser need for christ you know it's our self sufficiency that causes spiritual lukewarmness at the core of it spiritual lukewarmness is is uh, it, it's us seeing being increasingly satisfied by the things of the world and decreasingly satisfied in jesus more and more as our wealth increases as our we're, we're gaining more satisfaction here and slowly it's reducing our satisfaction from jesus is reducing now don't get me wrong it's not that the wealth of the laudations was bad it's but the thing that was going wrong there was they sinfully attached much more value to their wealth to the point that it actually made them numb to what was going on inside their soul was growing weaker and weaker and poorer and poorer this is what jesus says in second half of verse 17 you're not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked as i'm going to be asking an honest question when you walked in this morning how many of us actually felt this way on the inside how many of us were aware that our soul desperately needs to be fed this morning i mean if you, if you didn't come here you would have probably gone hungry you would have you would have you would have had a miserable week of starving and your soul would have perished how many of us came in with that sense of urgency to receive from jesus you know our affluence has a, a a sort of a anesthetic effect on our spiritual property i mean our spiritual poverty honestly as successful artists and professional entrepreneurs we hardly feel like this in fact it's our spiritual poverty that makes us draw satisfaction solely from our earthly prosperity because our spiritual poverty our spirit our, our souls are so depraved so poor we are constantly trying to drive our our satisfaction from everything that we are assimilating and accumulating and jesus is helping this church see that he's inviting them to see the real wealth hey i counsel you jesus is saying verse 18 i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich 
and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and, and the shame of your nakedness might not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. You know what's happening here? The three things that they prided upon, financial wealth, textile industry, and eye salve, Jesus is saying, hey, all of that is nothing. You get the real stuff from me. Cold refined by fire, white garments to cover the shame of your nakedness and salve so that you can open your eyes and see what is really happening deep inside. Friends, here's our key problem. It's so difficult for us sinful humans to see Christ as more valuable and more precious than all that we own. Especially if you're affluent, successful in the top 2% of this country, our, our, our blind eyes fail to see the immeasurable, imperishable riches in Christ. And, and that is why Jesus is offering this salve. Hey, your spiritually blind eyes, look at what's happening. Your affluence is blinding you. I mean, it's, 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 not making, it's making you numb to what's happening on the inside. You know, we see this in Jesus' interaction with this young ruler while in his time here on earth. Do you remember that? A rich young ruler comes to him and, and he's, he's already sorted, right? He's got enough wealth and he's in search for eternal life. So he comes to ask Jesus, Jesus, how can I do this? How can I get eternal life? And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, go sell all your possessions and come and follow me. And look at what it says. When the young man heard that he went away sorrowful, he heard that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And then Jesus looks to his disciples and says, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, friends, our self-sufficiency is a much bigger problem than we see it is today. See, what is happening here? This rich, rich young ruler walked away from the very eternal life he came looking for because he valued his riches more. He felt self-sufficient. He was in that place. I need nothing more. And in the passage we have today, this is the resurrected and glorified Jesus in heaven preparing the Laodicean church for this very eternal life. And he's saying, guys, the way you're going right now, you feel so self-sufficient that you actually feel no need for this eternal life and, at the, and are at the risk of actually rejecting it. Look what is happening. Look into your hearts. You know, John Piper, an amazing preacher and, and uh, author, he says in his book, God is the Gospel, he, he sort of asks this question, which, which we looked at once before, uh, but I feel it's really relevant again to our hearts this morning. The critical question of our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked 
and all the leisure activities that you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted. There's, there'll be no human conflict, no natural desires, everything, everything you ask for. Could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? If this morning our sinful hearts are sort of struggling to say no to that question and, and even inclining towards a yes, I'm feeling actually this, this, this looks great. Friends, it's the result of our spiritual lukewarmness and, and it's concerning, it's alarming. We're at the risk of actually rejecting this eternal life. That comes from Jesus. I know that this is so difficult for us successful, affluent artists, professionals, entrepreneurs to, to sort of train our sinful hearts to be less and less satisfied by our earthly affluence, which again God in His grace has given to us. And to actually draw our satisfaction solely from Jesus. It is hard. It is difficult. And that is why, yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's not a human judgment that it's hard. Jesus himself is saying it is difficult. What is the remedy for our spiritual lukewarmness? You know, to sum our problem up, here's the thing. We are spiritually lukewarm because we are blind to two realities that Jesus is helping us see. And Jesus is calling us, calling the Laodicean church to see here. The two realities are first thing, our own poverty. And the second thing, our riches in Christ. These are the two realities. And Jesus is helping this Laodicean church not just see, but feel the weight of these realities in their hearts. Friends, here's the thing. Unless we see our own poverty... We are never going to desire the riches. Forget desire. We're never going to even look at the, our riches in Christ. We need to feel the, the depraved depths of our poverty for us to go on our feet and say, Jesus, I need you. So how is Jesus helping them see this? Jesus is telling this Laodicean church, and, and, and this is super striking. He's saying... Your entire net worth of all of you put together is in fact extreme depraved poverty in the light of the riches that I have to offer. Now friends, this is not a marketing gimmick. This is how they sell things nowadays, right? I mean, if you have this coffee... You look at your favorite coffee and say, oh, it's bad. I mean, it's, it's not a marketing gimmick. Jesus is not exaggerating here. Look at how the intro to the passages, look at how they're presenting Jesus, how, how Jesus is presenting and, and revealing himself. He says, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Amen simply is a transliteration of a Hebrew word, which means firm, true, or faithful. It's the word of God in all its firmness, truth, and re reliability behind it. It's, it's, it's not a marketing gimmick to, to come and to get you to try it. No. 
this is truth in the light of our of, of all our net worth i mean christ riches make it feel like depravity it's it's ridiculous how poor we are now i know this is a warning but imagine if this is in fact true isn't it comforting for our souls to know that one day when we see jesus face to face our eyes will see him and will treasure him we'll look back on all our earthly possessions and say did i treasure you all my life did i hold you so dearly close to my heart and compared to this i was blind i was stupid now i see thank you jesus friends but how do we see our poverty in the here and now that's the struggle here how do we do this when jesus described the laodicean's church poverty it wasn't just theory he described it because he became that poor on the cross wretched pitiable poor naked he wasn't just looking from afar and saying this is how you seem to me jesus came and felt it so when we look at jesus on the cross i know we are blind to our own poverty we can't look enough into ourselves but when you look at jesus on the cross that is our poverty hanging right there tangible for you and i to see our poverty was displayed on the cross intangibleness so that our human eyes can see so whenever we look at jesus we can see our own poverty displayed on the cross now having seen that jesus is inviting them to see another reality which is our riches in him look at what jesus is saying actually a follower of jesus says this about jesus he says for you know by the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you and i can be made rich friends here's how jesus is inviting the laodicean church to see our riches in him he's saying i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you might be rich and then white garments and eye salve and all of that now isn't it strange that jesus is calling these very people whom he called poor and pitiable to actually buy gold from him to be rich to be covered it's an invitation for us to see that these gold garments that he has to offer comes at a price and he's paid the price it's not cheap it's it's it's, it's not free it comes to us because jesus paid for it that's why he says come buy from me here i am take it any other market you go to the market of your workplace market of this world you're going to keep paying and paying and paying to the last breath and it'll drag you empty leave you empty jesus is here come buy here take it all 
And here's how we buy gold from Jesus. Look at verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. Haven't we always seen this verse as an invitation to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus? I mean, someone who's an explorer. Who, so Jesus is coming and knocking at their door and asking them to come to faith. While this, this can be applied, but if you look at this truth in its context, it's an invitation to a self-sufficiently satisfied, lukewarm church who has kept Jesus at the door. Jesus is saying... Open your door. Let me come in and show you the riches I'm talking about. I want to commune with you, sit across you, sit across the table, have a meal with you, share myself completely with you. You can taste for yourself and know that it is true. Friends, the healing for our lukewarmness is actually in acknowledging, seeing these two realities. Our depraved poverty displayed for us on the cross. And again, our riches in Christ, which we will get to see in its fullness on that day. But today, he gives us an invitation to see it in the here and now. Would you open the door of your heart? Actually commune with him through God's word, through his people. Just pray, Holy Spirit, help me see this. I I am not able to see this. Help me. I want to experience these riches that make my riches look like poverty. Friends, here's the hope. If you're feeling condemned or feeling like you have to do a lot of work this morning, here's the hope for us. The very Jesus who said, because you are lukewarm, I feel like spitting you out of my mouth. In verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. This morning, here's how we can open the doors of our hearts to Jesus who's knocking. Be zealous and repent. And let me tell you one truth honestly. We cannot do this on our, by our own selves. The invitation to repent is to a local church. A church in Laodicea. We cannot do this by ourselves. Hey, honestly, would you like to actually talk about how depraved you are feeling? How how poor our souls are with each other and say, hey, I'm struggling here. I need help. Let's share our lives. Let's talk about what we are going through. Let's have real conversation that goes deeper than Netflix and sports. Let's bear our souls and share our lives with each other. Allow me to pray. Father, we come knowing that even in even this uh, power to genuinely repent doesn't come from us. I mean, we are probably still struggling to... Uh, not see the real value of our own possessions and, and see them as poverty. I mean, it'll take a lifetime till Jesus comes for us to be able to see that. But you have given us spiritual eyes in Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, apply that salve on our eyes so we can see our souls for how poor they are and, and, and go to Jesus and receive his riches. Help us to talk to each other, share and repent together. Help us to not put all of this behind the mask of our earthly affluence and pretend like we're all okay. Help us to put the mask down, the mask of our earthly affluence down and show each other our true selves and enjoy the riches of Jesus together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.